Hi everyone, and welcome to another episode of Paddock Chat, a West Midlands Group original podcast created to keep local growers in the loop without having to leave the paddock. My name is Simon Kruger, and I'm the Graduate Communications Officer at the West Midlands Group. In this episode, Amelia Nolan, Program Manager at the Livestock Collective, joins the podcast to talk with us about the importance of developing widespread knowledge of the ins and outs of the Australian livestock and broader agricultural industries. WMG Beef Industry Development Officer Erin O'Brien chats with Amelia about her story, role at the Livestock Collective and her wealth of knowledge concerning social licence and the importance of the community getting access to information that is real and authentic from all along the agricultural supply chains from the people actually involved in the industry. Not only is this episode particularly topical and thought-provoking, but also forms something of a companion piece to the WMG Seasonal Updates Festival and Amelia's dynamic and informative presentation held on Day 3, which is still available for viewing on the WMG Facebook and Twitter pages now. Now, without further ado, let's get on with the episode. The information provided in this podcast is general in nature and may not be wholly appropriate for your purposes or situation. We recommend that you seek appropriate professional advice before implementing actions based on the information provided in this podcast. Hi everyone, I'm Erin O'Brien and today I'm talking to the Livestock Collective's Millie Nolan. Okay, so first off Millie, can you tell me a little bit about yourself and how you came to be in your current role? Yeah, I sure can. So I'm a farmer's shearer's daughters from Victoria, only a stone's throw from South Australia. So I grew up in the shearing sheds, basically, and I think that really established a love for living in regional Australia. Going through high school, it definitely wasn't always on my radar to follow a career path uh, in this industry, but have somehow found my way back, especially after taking time off after school, earning enough money and traveling to get myself to university. I was doing a lot of seasonal work, so back in the sheds, um, grain harvests, even wineries and everything like that around the world, and eventually had lots of different offers sort of in Victoria and South Australia, and nothing really felt good. And so I thought, bugger it, I'm just going to go to WA. I'd never been to WA before and I ended up over there studying agricultural science. And it really established my love further for sheep and wool especially. So I extended that study with the University of New England doing sheep, wool and client service skills. So I completed my studies and then ended up in Queensland. And a lot of the sheep producers in Western Queensland had got exclusion fencing grants to keep the wild dogs out. And I was really interested in that. So I did a bit of work up there with them. And while I was up there, one of the directors of the Livestock Collective gave me a call and they had a job in social media going, uh, which anyone who actually knows me, it's definitely not my strong point, but... I'd followed the Livestock Collective since the initial Sheep Collective project and I was hugely passionate about the work that they were doing. I thought that Holly Ludeman, who's their founder and or our founder and managing director, is just a real forward-thinking change maker and so any opportunity to be involved in an organisation like that that was quite fast-paced and doing things differently I was interested in and I think as soon as they sort of talked to me more, they said, right, okay, social media is not for you but maybe event and stakeholder engagement is. So that's sort of how I initially got involved and I now uh, run the National Livestock Leaders Program. I attend events and do public speaking all over Australia for industry. The Livestock Collective obviously has a target audience with the public as well, so making sure that the community feels connected to our industry. And I also establish relationships with stakeholders for sponsorship and our paid subscription base. 
yeah, that's sort of how I roundabout got involved, living all over Australia. Now, um, like I base myself in Western Australia, but I'm actually on the farm in Victoria at the moment, spending time with the family. So as part of my role, it is really flexible, which I really value. I'm often everywhere, which I really like. I feel like the more places you can visit, the better your understanding of the world works. And I guess ag in different regions would be really helpful to gain understanding of, of how everything works and different people's situations and things like that. Yeah, absolutely. It's something I really, really value. Like even now I'm thinking, right, should I live in New South Wales and get to know what problems they have? And, you know, that's another really diverse state. So it'd be different wherever you go. And I think wherever you go, one consistent theme is probably the community is always really fantastic, especially in regional Australia, but certainly different areas have their own challenges. And when you are lucky enough to live in different areas of Australia, you can actually go to that region and say, oh, well, other parts of Australia are doing this. This could really benefit this region. So for example, in Western Queensland, they had to go to New South Wales for shearing and and wool classing handling schools. And with COVID, they could no longer do it. And I said, well, hang on, why? Like this is you know, there's plenty of sheep up here. Why aren't you guys having this training? And so got that training up there and things like that. It it is a lot of value. And I would encourage anyone, um, particularly young farmers, you know, your operation isn't the best in Australia. So even if you go somewhere else and learn what not to do, it's still value to your own property and production systems, but also just the networks and the people that you meet will become mentors to you. Yeah, wonderful. And so you were saying, so you had no event planning or anything like that. You had no experience in in that sort of thing before you joined the Livestock Collective. Not really, no. Like I'd done it a bit in Queensland in terms of online webinars and things like that. So a lot of that land um, after the wool price fallout and the wild dogs were such an issue, a lot of people moved into cattle, but it was really good sheep country. And so we were sort of running like basic webinars, getting different people in talking about, you know, handling and things like that. But yeah, in terms of actual events, no, like I, yeah, I threw a parties here and there for me and my mates but <laughs> other than that <laughs> no um I've always been quite an organized person so that definitely was on my side but yeah I, I think the livestock collective as soon as they employed me I moved back over to western Australia drove back over went into two weeks quarantine and sort of was setting up and I had to run a workshop I don't know it was three weeks later for farmers in South Australia and yeah it was a a whole two-day workshop and they just said just do it and I was like all right I'll, I'll just go and do it and so yeah when you get given responsibility you do tend to learn on the fly. Definitely I can uh, attest to that um, and I guess <laughs> as someone who also did animal science at Murdoch it's really interesting hearing kind of how different people have gotten to where they are now. And I feel like I didn't really have a great understanding even coming through the degree of, of what options were out there. So yeah, it's really cool to see kind of where you've managed to get yourself. Yeah, I think it's agriculture is exciting because it is so diverse. And I look back at my group um, that did animal science and crop and pasture science, animal health and vet and where everyone is and even our mates at Curtin. I've got lots of friends at Marcus Oldham and where they all actually end up. It's pretty exciting to um, see the diversity in agriculture and that your set of skills can be applied to some area of the supply chain. I think it's really exciting. Can you tell me a little bit more about the Livestock Collective and their their aims? Yeah, so we're a non-for-profit organisation and our aim is to grow public awareness and acceptance for livestock industries, particularly live export, but also agriculture more broadly. So our vision 
is for everyone to have a shared understanding of and connection to agriculture. Essentially, when there's a void of information, it will be filled, as Holly Ludeman puts so well. And when, as an industry, we're not talking, other people talk on our behalf and we exist to balance the conversation and make sure that the community is getting access to information that's real and authentic and from all along agricultural supply chains, from the people actually involved in the industry. Because, we, you know, when we're not talking... Other people are, and we're really the voice that counteract those voices that can be really loud. And they do a fantastic job, some of these extremist groups, of their campaigns. And we would like to say that, you know, their mind's made up, they're a minority, but we see huge opportunity in engaging with the broader community and the public who are actually interested in knowing more about live export and topics such as that. That's really what we do. We're funded by industry. Um, so a lot of live exporters and people along the supply chain invest to join our collective community so that we can keep on doing what we're doing because yeah, we, we need to be on the front foot of these conversations. We've seen that when an industry isn't talking, people do assume that it has something to hide and you don't build trust and acceptance. So really the voice that represents that. Yeah. And do you think that one of the reasons why the Livestock Collective is flourishing so much is because people do want to learn more and there has just been that lack of information previously and that people are actually really open to to finding out more? Yeah, like I won't speak on behalf of Holly, but I think that was a huge learning at the start that there's actually an appetite for this real authentic information. And, you know, I think she talks about one of the first blogs that she took on board the vessel, which was basically just saying, you know, this is how I look after the sheep. This is how they're watered. This is how they're fed. And it had almost 100,000 views just on Facebook alone. And I think it was a real turning moment for the industry where their resistance to change did a backflip and said, oh my God, We've been doing this communication wrong. We need to be transparent. We need to be on the front foot of these conversations. And yeah, you're right. There's actually people who are invested in animal welfare who aren't necessarily involved in agriculture and rural industries, but they're interested and they want to know more. And so if we can engage with them and actually build their trust and acceptance, then fantastic. Like we can be there to provide that information and provide those resources. And people are really out there ready to listen. Yeah, wonderful. That brings me back to it. Why is there such a disconnect between farmers and ag and consumers? It is an interesting question, Erin, and I don't want to so much concentrate on why. We need to accept that there is a disconnect and it is for so many reasons you know I think cities are getting bigger more people from overseas back in the day you know on on our farm alone we used to have cousins in the city and they would come out to the country and visit the farm and it'd be one of their most fantastic times but for many many reasons that doesn't happen as much anymore you know farms are bigger everything like that so there's many reasons that there is a disconnect but I think as an industry we need to accept that there is a disconnect and also recognize that it is a huge opportunity to to bridge that disconnect and it's not by you know shoving resources and facts and education down people's throats it's actually by allowing them to see that all along the supply chain animals and the land are the top priority and that we really care for them because I, I can't remember whose quote it was but I love it it's people don't care how much you know until they know how much you care and that is how the livestock collective wants to communicate and connect with the broader community and we've seen great success in doing that in arguably one of agriculture's most difficult topics being live export 
And we've now expanded to cover all livestock industries and agriculture more broadly. And so I don't think it's so much a reason, you know, why is there a disconnect? Because there's so many reasons why there is. But if we can accept that and say, right, it is a privilege that we have the information that we have in how food and fibre is produced in Australia that feeds not only Australians but also the world, accept that that's a, a privilege. And so when people do ask us questions, it's a huge opportunity for us to actually connect and engage with them. With the actual disconnect, it's not just with agriculture, but it's rural industries as well. So some of the latest research that Live Corp and Meat and Livestock Australia do says that 42% of the population don't actually know anyone in agriculture or rural industries and 22% know only one or two. So that's like 64% of the population who are hardly connected to the industry whatsoever, which is, it is huge. And like I said before, there's many reasons that that exists. But in flipping that, there's also research that says that 65% of consumers are interested in knowing more about where their food and fibre comes from, which we see as a huge opportunity. If 65% of people want to know more, then we have an ability to give them the information, um, show them that we care and actually connect with them again. Yeah, and I think, like I said before, I feel like there's growing interest in people finding out where their food is coming from. So the need for more information is there and it's good that places like the Livestock Collective can start filling that gap. That reminds me because I went to the Perth Royal Show last year where I had a quick chat to you. But I think things like that um, and CBH having the the setup there as well, I feel like that hasn't always been the way at the Perth Royal Show. And obviously that's kind of the roots of that is the agricultural show. I mean, I thought that was really fabulous that there's kind of more talk around grains and our and our livestock industry in WA and getting people that are based in the city kind of more aware of that. Yeah, 100%. So events like the Perth Royal Show are a huge opportunity for the likes of us to actually engage with who our target audience is, which is, you know, the everyday broader community, you know, Joe Blow who goes to the supermarket and, and buys his, his produce to feed his family for the week. And it's not often that we do have access to have those conversations. So it's a massive opportunity for us to capitalise on. And we had some awesome conversations there with people being genuinely interested in not only live export, which is sort of where our roots at the Livestock Collective are, but I was getting questions like, what do sheep eat? What chemicals are being used on crops? Yeah, it goes well beyond because the public don't actually see us as our particular industries like grains and sheep and live export or even horticulture and everything like that. They have us under one umbrella. So whilst in agriculture, we often operate in silos, even within supply chains, they actually have us under one whole umbrella. So being united and collaborative in our approach and capitalising opportunities such as the Perth Royal Show, where I won't lie, like I had all these fabulous conversations, but... I was also called barbaric by a minority and it wasn't something that made me upset. It's just something where you go, okay, different views. We'll part ways here because it's also when we do this sort of communication, we are putting ourselves out there like in anything when we're telling our story and being transparent. There's people that aren't going to agree and that's okay. You know, we, we don't have to convince everyone. But if we are chatting to one of those 64% of the population who know none or maybe one or two people, we need to at least ensure that if this is the only opportunity that they have to talk to someone in agriculture and rural industry, we need to make sure that we're making them aware that we really do care about our animals and the land and they are going to have access to media and social media that's really against us. 
But when you know someone in the industry, you're more likely to trust an industry. So that conversation is so important to make sure that they're, they're feeling connected. And that's the sort of um, conversations that we have. And we also give other people along and culture the skills to have those conversations as well. I guess the more personalised it is, the more likely people are probably going to take on that information. And I guess on that, do you have any other resources you'd recommend for people who are wanting to learn more about ag in general? Yeah, so the Livestock Collective website is very much whole supply chain encompassing, but MLA, um, they do Good Meat, Oz Good Meat or Red Meat Green Facts, and they're fantastic in talking about red meat production, particularly in terms of animal welfare and carbon emissions and the climate, which is a massive topic at the moment as well. Uh, learn about wool is one for the wool industry. I think wool is such a fantastic fibre. It has fantastic e-credentials that we need to be showcasing more. But in terms of industry, if you do want to learn more about how the public actually perceives our industry, Live Corp has just finished another survey three years on from the initial survey, which shows people's acceptance to uh, live export and agriculture more broadly. And it's actually showing that people are more accepting and aware of the value that live export provides to the economy and communities overseas as well and it really highlights the opportunities that we have to actually engage with the broader community so that would be an, an industry one which I think is is really interesting. Yeah okay those are some really good resources. Do you think Australia would be ahead of many countries in that way? Yeah it's interesting like I think in live export we certainly are in terms of both animal welfare standards and how we communicate. So, for example, Ireland is another country that live export animals. Um, like 20 years ago, it was quite big. But we were chatting to a bloke on, on social media the other day and he was saying how much he loves the way that we communicate because we are trying to engage with that community. But then I think it does a, a bit of a backflip. So, for example, in the Middle East, you know, they've got glass walls on their processing facilities. There is so much transparency and so much more, I guess, acceptance of death or how your food is produced. And I think for Australians, there's some people that they go to the supermarket and the meat's on the shelf and it's in the plastic packaging and there's not a connection or an association with the grassroots, you know, that's gone on the farm, on the truck, to the processing facilities, everything like that along the supply chain. Not to their fault whatsoever. That's just what they have had access to. Yeah, I think we have a lot to learn from other countries who are more involved with how their food is produced or how they get access to their food. But at the same time, I think the communication that Australia is now doing to make sure that the public is aware and does have access to the real authentic information is ahead. So we're, we're getting there, but we do have a long way to go. Yeah, well, that's good to hear. I, to be honest, I just have no, no clue about how other countries go about it. Why is public perception so important to the agricultural industry? Yeah, it's hugely important and no matter how you want to say it, whether it's, you know, social licence to operate, community acceptance, public perception, it is a huge theme in agriculture and rural industries now and all other industries because whether we like it or not, the public does have a say in if and how we operate and they are the consumers of our product and, you know, in today's day and age, they have access to information whether it is right or wrong and so ensuring that we are supplying them with the, the real stuff from within our industry is, is hugely important because we have seen single industries be shut down overnight because we haven't been on the front foot of conversation. And so in 2018, when the sheep live export crisis of Western Australia was in complete crisis, 
Holly Ludeman, that was her thing. She said, well, I wouldn't work in an industry like this, but we if this is the first bit of information, this terrible media that even people within agriculture were horrified by, if that's the first access they have to our industry, of course they're going to be against us. We need to be sharing with them what really happens. And I think we often talk about, you know, let's educate and let's share positive things, but I'm actually more about let's share the real stuff. Let's be real. It doesn't need to be positive. It just needs to be real and authentic because that is what is going to resonate with people. That research that I was chatting to about before that shows what is actually challenging social license. And a lot of that is resistance to change from within industry, the political landscape, the voices against us. But the opportunity is is massive. You know, that's 65% of people who we can actually engage with and grow social license. I guess for me, like I can, I can really understand it because I am based in Perth and travel up to Dandarigan a few days a week and I make it my goal at parties to be the one that's talking about ag and, and my role in, in the industry and, and what I do. And so many people are shocked at how things work. Like I think I'll talk about how much the farmers I work with really love the animals and the ethics around it. And people are often really shocked. And even I, I come from the city and I think I've learned a lot in the last few years about how a lot of ag works. By now I've forgotten kind of how little I knew and lots of people were in a similar situation to me. So I think, yeah, I guess like what you were saying is, you know, if you can just be that one that one person in ag that someone talks to, make it good and and make sure you kind of spread the story. And I guess if everyone's doing that, then things are going to change slowly and, and people are going to get a little bit more educated. Yeah, absolutely. And I congratulate you on being the one who has that conversation because it is hard. It is putting yourself out there. Like I know I used to work at a live export quarantine facility where I think it was licensed to hold almost 100,000 sheep and they'd go to live export. And someone would ask you, you know, when I lived in Perth, what you did and you'd be like, oh, I just work on a sheep farm, you know, and you downplay it. But now I've got so many more skills and so much more confidence around actually articulating myself to have that conversation where I can leave saying, well, I've connected with them. I firstly understood what they were concerned about and then I was able to share with them what I do and say it in a way that uses language that they'll understand and shows that I do really care about what my role is in the supply chain as well. And like you said, if we can all be having those conversations, it's, you know, the micro impact that's having along with, you know, the big stuff that the likes of MLA and Live Corp and all of them are doing and having these conversations that is really going to change the conversation. And I guess for us, it's certainly been balancing the conversation so far. And as we connect with more people and gain more support and resources that we're able to share more, then we will be able to represent the whole supply chain and be so much more transparent even and give people more access to education material that is is from the experts which is which is us we're all experts of our of our own story and our own part in the in the supply chain and I hope everyone feels empowered to have a conversation and know that it is a privilege when you're asked a question that may seem silly to you but we're in a really special place where we've had access to this growing up or through our studies or to just where we are in our career at the moment that other person who we're perhaps talking to hasn't and that is a huge privilege and so actually being asked a question is a huge opportunity it goes back to that disconnect you know it's not about why and it's not about getting annoyed that it's there it's about accepting it and then having that conversation in a really constructive way 
That was really well put. Wonderful. Yeah, no, that was really good. I guess the last question is how has the Livestock Collective worked around COVID? Obviously, you do a lot of traveling. What sort of things have you done to, or the Livestock Collective in general, done to kind of combat restrictions and everything like that? Oh, yeah, it's been fun. We're really lucky that we are very flexible and innovative in our approach, even just in everyday work life. So as I said at the start, like I work from home, we all work from home, we're all on farms and and in the city. So we're able to utilise technology to the best of our ability to remain connected and make sure that we're getting tasks done. But in terms of us expanding nationally, we were still able to do that during COVID. So I started running workshops livestock leaders workshops all over Australia and it was very much dodging borders here and there like trying to make it time for when borders were open and whatnot even last year when borders were majorly shut between Western Australia I was still able to get to every state of Australia bar Tasmania and New South Wales so there has been openings and I think just capitalizing it on it when it has been open and then utilizing technology when it hasn't been has been the way to go about it there's so many different applications and things now that we can use um, like we use zoom a lot but make it engaging is probably the main thing that i've learned is use the breakout room set activities like i really don't like running workshops where we're just talking at people um and you know they're writing notes and things like that the best way to learn is through actually doing stuff so for example when we're teaching people to have these conversations they're off in breakout rooms and, and having role play the whole time even online and they're connecting with different people everywhere and we still get just as much success out of that as we do face to face it does miss out on you know the networking dinner and drinks at, at night time but just making the most of what you have and then when you can come together do try and come together face to face but yeah COVID's certainly been it's certainly been a challenge Yeah, well, it sounds like you've done pretty well to combat that. Thank you so much, Millie, for coming on and speaking to me today. I've definitely learned a lot and hopefully all our listeners will. Awesome. Thanks so much for having me, Erin. This has been fun. That brings us to the end of this Paddock Chat episode. We really hope you've enjoyed the conversation and that it's given you some food for thought, useful information or something interesting to listen to while you've been keeping busy. We would like to extend our thanks and appreciation to Amelia for being so generous with both her time and knowledge. If you are interested, Amelia's session and all other WMG Seasonal Updates Festival presentations are free and available to view and comment on via the WMG Facebook page under the Videos tab. The best way to receive our updates and stay in the loop with the latest in local research and results is by becoming a West Midlands Group member. Our members are an essential part of why we do what we do at WMG and we pride ourselves on ensuring they receive relevant, timely and innovative information wherever they are and whatever they're doing. Becoming a WMG member ensures you'll save hours of your valuable time with easy access to the most relevant and up-to-date information you really need whenever you need it. Our membership gets you early access to our workshops, free or discounted entry for up to three farm business members to our major events, and exclusive access to our member-only publications, like our monthly e-newsletters and quarterly technical publications. For more info, visit our website where you can sign up at any time. I'd like to thank our sponsors and members, without whom this would not be possible. See you next time for more Paddock Chat. Local knowledge from a paddock near you.